welcome to another edition of the Learning Revolution podcast. I am Jeff Cobb, your host, and Learning Revolution is the podcast for people who want to build a successful business in the market for lifelong learning, training, and education. Today, you'll get to listen in on what I think is just really a, a fantastic conversation with marketing and branding expert, Dory Clark. I'll give Dory a more proper introduction in just a minute, but first I'd like to offer up a quick tip, and, and here it is. Most listeners are probably familiar with the whole process of going to iTunes, uh, subscribing to podcasts there, downloading them to your computer, and then hooking up your uh, iPod or other device and, and syncing them over there so that you can actually listen to them. It can be a bit cumbersome, but there's some good news, and that is that there's now a much better way to do all of that. If you have a smartphone, which so many people now do, there are apps available that make it easy for you to subscribe to and download podcasts right to the smartphone without ever having to hook up to a computer. Uh, One of these is Instacast. That happens to be my app of choice. I use that to load podcast onto my iPhone, Um, but Instacast only works on the iPhone, so for another option for both the iPhone or the Android, you can try Stitcher Radio. Now, you can get the links to both of these by visiting the show notes for today's episode. Just go to learningrevolution.net slash episode five. So give that a try, and I hope you'll use one of these apps to subscribe to the Learning Revolution podcast. If you do, you'll get great content like my interview with Dory Clark. Speaking of which, let's get on with the interview. I am joined today by Dory Clark, who is the author of the forthcoming Reinventing You, Define Your Brand, Imagine Your Future from Harvard Business uh, Review Press. Uh, Dory is also a regular contributor to Forbes and to the Harvard Business Review, among a number of other publications. And in her work, she helps businesses increase sales and attract new clients by enhancing their reputation as industry leaders. So, Dory, welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Well, thanks so much for being here, and, and I thought maybe we'd start off talking about uh, uh, that word reputation um, that, I, that I know factors heavily into the, the work that, that you do. Maybe tell me a little bit about how you see reputation tying into classic concepts like positioning and branding, and, and why has it become so important in, in the age we live in? Absolutely. Um, so reputation is really even more critical now than I, I think it has been in the past, because as the number of competitors in the marketplace has proliferated, I mean, now you're competing with people nationally, internationally, uh, in whatever niche your business is in, uh, you need to find ways to draw people to you. It's no longer sufficient that you go to road with someone or they went to the same college as you. That's nice, but if you want to run a successful business that's reaching the people who you want, your real buyers, you need to have a reputation that draws people into you and makes them say, you were the person that I want to work with. And frankly, the good news is that it also means that they're willing to pay almost any price to work with you because your reputation engenders a kind of comfort level. They know that you're not going to screw up. They know that you're the right person for the job. So the challenge is that um, there are more there are more 
things that you have to monitor these days than ever. It used to be that if people talked about you, uh, you know, in, in the Rotary meetings or uh, in your local community, in your local chamber, and you had a pretty good sense of what they thought about you, then that's great. That's your reputation. These days, you have to be vigilant about what's being said about you online, through social media and other channels, and perhaps even more importantly, what's not being said about you. Because if your competitors are taking up all of the airtime, then you run some risks. So you need to be making sure that you're cognizant of the marketplace and you're putting yourself out there. Because one thing that we've learned is that, um, you know, the marketplace of abhors a vacuum. If you are not putting out information about yourself, then that means other people are controlling the dialogue. And usually that means bad things for you. And, and now I assume you know there there, there are two sides to that coin because on on the one hand you want to you want to know if people are talking about you you want to know how they're talking about you, um, but at the same time I you know I assume from your perspective you're listening and, and you may actually find out things in, in the process of, of monitoring that are going to help you deliver even more value is is that your perspective? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, one of the, the great innovations of, uh, of social media and the listening tools that we have now is that whereas in the past you would have had to pay thousands of dollars for focus groups or customer surveys or things like that, you can get a lot of information now simply by listening on online channels. It doesn't necessarily replace the other things, but it supplements it in an important way. And uh, depending on your budget, it's also a much more economical way of finding out what's on the minds of your customers. Um, you know, one of the running jokes is that if you are experiencing poor service uh, by, by an airline, for instance, you can call the helpline, the 1-800 number, uh, you know, like every other staff in the airport and wait for hours until they help you. Or you can send a tweet and, uh, and tag the, uh, the Twitter account of that airline and they'll get back to you probably within minutes because it's a public forum. And so if you're complaining about them publicly, it's not just you that is sitting on a line and, and you know, waiting and bored and frustrated. You're telling the world that they're screwing up. And all of a sudden, that raises the stakes, and so they're more likely to help you. So, you know, that's a powerful thing for consumers. And as, as business owners or uh, association leaders, it's important for us to think about that, too. People, uh, people's expectations have risen. They do expect higher levels of responsiveness and customer service. Um, but also, it's a great way to reach out to people proactively, to really surprise them. Uh, you can go above and beyond. If you're uh, following key people on Twitter, and you see that they are writing about things related to your industry, related to your company, related to keywords that you're monitoring, you can reach out and, and you know, tap them and say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you heard about this? And that level of responsiveness of feeling like you're really being listened to and heard is uh, pretty remarkable, and it can build some serious brand loyalty. Yeah, it's, and it's funny you mentioned the airline thing. I actually had that experience myself recently with American Airlines uh, where I had gotten to the point where I was just kind of exasperated with them, and uh, I sent out a, a tweet to that effect, and uh, I heard back from them within a matter of minutes. I have to say in in that case, it was a tweet too late, but uh, but nonetheless, it was impressive that, that they were out there and they were listening. Now, I mean, related to that, I'd like to talk about um, the, the, the subject of content, um, but 
but to tee that up a little bit, you know, the, the organizations or individuals that I'm working with, um, are content producers in one sense. They're, they're, they're creating educational products. They're delivering courses, seminars, whether online or off. So that, that is the, the, the core of their business. That, that's what they're delivering, um, uh, are these, uh, traditional types of educational content. But there's this whole other world of content out there now that, uh, really any business, uh, I think needs to use to, to help establish their brand, their, their thought leadership uh, in, in the marketplace. And I know you've done that effectively with your own brand. How do you think about content uh, factoring into how you establish reputation, maintain reputation, uh, and build a brand? I, I love the possibilities that the digital era has provided in terms of content creation and, and distribution. I actually think that this is the, the number one possibility that has been open to us in the past 10 years. And the reason I feel so strongly about that is that, you know, before, um, no matter how good your ideas were, if you didn't have capital, if you didn't have a distribution mechanism of some sort, you were you were just fundamentally limited. If, if television is the only way that you can really reach a mass market, well, guess what? If you don't own a television studio, if you don't uh, have a production company, you can't pay for the ads, you can't uh, pay for you know these expensive hulking machines to be rented and do it. And now we can do it with our phones. It's an incredible democratization. And you know certainly, um, you know ABC or C- NBC or CBS has a huge reach. It's built in. They're still going to probably reach a lot more people than, um, you know, than you or I. But that being said, there's the potential, particularly for businesses and associations uh, like your readers, who are targeting a, a specific niche audience. You know, they, they want to be reaching, um, you know, all the accountants in North Carolina. They want to be reaching all the civil engineers in the Northeast. And things like that, mass medium broadcasting isn't the answer anyway. You want to find people where they are and you want to attract them to you. And so it's easier than ever. You can you can blog for free. You can set something up with WordPress. You can use your phone to create a video, edit it on uh, you know on on iMovie and upload it for free to YouTube uh, to YouTube. You can um, create a podcast literally recording a telephone call like we're doing right now, edit that lightly on something like GarageBand and upload it. And you have huge streams of content that are going to draw people in to you and make them come to you. So it's, it's very exciting. I, mean, I think the, the biggest thing to keep in mind here in terms of content production is the fact that, um, you know, as is the case with, with most ratios, you know, like if you're a teacher, they always say if there's one kid in the classroom raising his hand, there's probably 10 kids the same question, right? There's always right. fewer people who are, who are stepping up and doing things. And similarly, in the online world, um, for every one person who's creating something, you know, there's, there's probably 10 who read it and comment on it, and there's 100 who read it and, uh, and take it in and appreciate it and say, oh, that's, that's really interesting. It's just tiny numbers of people who are actually producing the content, and it has a disproportional impact because everyone else out there is a consumer taking it in. You put yourself in the limelight if you're creating the content. You are setting the tone of the conversation. And that means you're, you're becoming a thought leader. You are uh, you know, really setting the parameters and making other people come to you. That's a very powerful thing if you're an association or an association leader. 
And so it sounds like, you know, from a, a strategic perspective, and I know, you know, for you, you're, you're thinking about strategy, you're thinking about vision. It's not just a, a single campaign. It's basically the idea that um, you're building really a, a platform uh, over time. Um, you're using content, you're using these social tools uh, to, to really build context, I guess I would say, around uh, whatever your core products and, and, and services are. Is that, you know, does that sound like the right way of thinking about it? Um, how, how do you describe how this whole concept of uh, reputation and, and branding fit into longer-term strategy and vision? Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Jeff. Um, I recently wrote a blog post for the Harvard Business Review uh, called It's Not a Job Search, It's a Permanent Campaign. And uh, the, the basic idea behind that was that in in this, you know, new digital world, um, you, you can't just, if you know, if you're an individual and you're looking for a job, you can't just kind of gear up a month or two before you want the new job and say, oh, you know, I'm going to spit polish my resume and then I'll, I'll send it out and someone's going to hire me right away. You know, it just doesn't work that way anymore. You're going to be out of luck. What you need to be thinking about, and this is sort of reconceptualizing things that we have been operating on for the past 20 or 30 or 50 years, um, is that you, you can't just say, oh, I want a job and one magically appears because uh, your resume is so impressive. You have to, over time, build up a reputation in the marketplace so that when you want a job, it's easy for you to walk in somewhere because people have already heard of you. They've already been reading your blog. They're already subscribed to your Twitter feed. They already think, oh, she's sharp. We would like to have her here. Because when you've built up that kind of reputation, you can write your own ticket. And I think the same thing is true at the corporate level or at the association level. What you want to do is establish yourself over time as being the place to go for the best information. Uh, and, you know, again, the, the niche aspect is what's so ter- terrific and critical here. I mean, if I'm writing uh, in the Harvard Business Review, you're reaching a pretty broad swath of professionals, and that's great. But I am never going to be speaking to the needs specifically of accountants the way that an association could. Because um, if, if that's your audience, then you can go so deep into their needs, into their concerns, into the reality that they're facing. And so consequently, um, that's going to be much, much what is most relevant and most salient to them. And so there's a built-in advantage if you're targeting a niche audience to really going deep. And you can leverage that. And if over time you prove yourself in the marketplace, you know, they, they go back once, they like it, they go back a second time, they say, wow, you know, in the news media they say, um, you know, once, uh, you know, once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, but three times is a pattern. So if over time you build that trust and they say, geez, this is really good information, all of a sudden you've justified your annual membership fees. And they're not gonna, they're not gonna peel off. Once you've built that relationship, they are going to continue to be loyal because you're meeting their needs in a way that no one else can. And, and I'm sure you must have, you know, one or two examples of uh, whether it's a company or an individual, but but you know, somebody, some organization that you think is just knocking it out of the park, really, really getting this right. I mean, who are the uh, you know the, the icons you, you hold up uh, in the whole world of branding and, and, and reputation? Yeah, I think I think that there's a lot of really interesting things that are going on over over time, and uh, in terms of content creation, I mean it's it's interesting. 
you know, just to think of, of kind of a, a silly example, um, I recently wrote an article for Forbes about, about clout, uh, the service that, that sort of measures, right, uh, at right. least in social media, your uh, impact in the marketplace. And of course, you know, it's not a perfect measure. Uh, you know, sometimes they'll say you're an expert in, uh, in something and, you know, you wonder where that came from. But I think over time, uh, measurement and quantification is going to get both more exact and, and more important mm-hmm. because people do want to try to measure these things as much as possible. But the person that they hold up is the yardstick is, uh, you know, the, the 100%, you know, everyone else kind of uh, scales off of him, is uh, Justin Bieber, the, uh, right, <laughs> the teen right. sensation. And, you know, I, I think, you know, well, why is that? Why is he so important? You know, why does that matter? And really what's interesting, and I think it's, it, it sort of shows the, you know, what anybody can follow, is the fact that people are dying for behind-the-scenes intimate communication with the the people and the brands and the companies that they support. Mm. I mean, for so long, the things that um, that we saw were you know just these these formal institutional corporate things being pushed out at us. You know, they sort of you know the archetype is like you know the official press release from headquarters, and it was really divorced from reality. It's not how people interact. And so people were so desperate. You know, they want the behind-the-scenes picture. What's happening in the green room? You know, what is, what is Justin like to eat when he's on his tour bus? You know, and, and the truth is, they want that from your company, too. They want that from your association, too. They want to have a human connection so that they, they get what the value is and that they're loyal to something, you know, not some idea or some institution. They're loyal to, to people, and they see how things are being made. I mean, a great example which I recently cited um, in, a, in a Harvard Business Review post that, that actually just went up called uh, Transparency is the New Leadership Imperative, is uh, this guy named Fred Wilson, who's a venture capitalist in New York. And, you know, here's this guy. He's 3,000 miles away from Silicon Valley, you know, the, the universally acknowledged hub right. of the tech world. And, you know, I mean, you know, New York is no slouch, but, but it's not where the action is happening in the same way that Silicon Valley is. So if you're Fred Wilson, how do you get in on the best deals? How do you get people to say, oh, man, I wish Fred Wilson would fund me? Well, you know what? You can use a blog. And that's what he's done. He has a blog called avc.com. And it's incredible. He writes a post. The post, every post, gets 100 or more comments. Some posts get 300, 400, 500 comments. Because people are so engaged, you know, just dying to find out. Because venture capital is an area that historically has been so secretive. You know, no one wants to talk about what they're funding or why, because they don't want to give the other guys uh, a, a line on uh, how, how their decision-making process is done. Fred Wilson's turned that upside down. He's been incredibly transparent, and he's been rewarded because of it. And he's built such a brand that people are now dying to have him be part of the lead round of investors. And I think that's a lesson we can all learn from. Uh, absolutely. Well, and, and along those lines, I mean, maybe to to wrap up our, our conversation today, uh, let, you know, I'll give you kind of a, 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 a case study to address here. I mean, let's say that you are, you know, maybe you're a small training firm, uh, maybe an individual subject matter expert, maybe you're in an association, but you're in the education business. Um, you're experiencing, you know, greater competition. You're trying to, to, to build your business in this uh, dog-eat-dog world, uh, hopefully have it grow year over year. 
and as part of that, you you know you need to build your brand. Uh, you know you need to you know heighten your reputation out in the marketplace. What are the you know the one or two first steps you would tell uh, you know that organization that individual to to take um, to to get the ball rolling? Well, I think I think the first and most simple is um, you know you always want to start with a real basic Google search of yourself just to see what's out there. Mm. Um, I mean, it's it's actually I mean it, it seems uh, silly, but but a not everybody does it, but b um, even people that you would imagine must have a strong online presence just because of of who they are or where they work. You'd be astonished. There was a guy that I met a couple of weeks ago at a dinner party. And, uh, you know, he was somebody that, that I thought was so interesting. I actually wanted to write an article about him. And uh, so, okay, this guy, number one, he doesn't have a business card on him. Fine, no problem. Let's figure, all right, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hook him up, and then I can, I can, you know, email him about this article I want to do. And he's, uh, you know, senior guy at a branding firm in New York. And I look him up. And he doesn't have a Facebook page, doesn't have LinkedIn, not on Twitter. His company doesn't even have an email for him. They have a general, you know, info at. Um, the only things that I can find about him online were a profile of his house for some house and garden magazine. I mean, it's ridiculous. This man is, is a, you know, a talented professional, and yet you can't even find him when you want to write about him for a magazine. Sounds and like so, I was going to say, it sounds like he needs to Go hire ahead, Dory Clark. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so you don't want that to be you. You want people to be able to reach you if, if they want to or need to. Um, so, you know, some really basic things. I mean, a LinkedIn profile is just basic, but it's a way that, that you know, I mean, it takes five minutes to set it up, but it's at least a way that people can find you and they know it's you mm-hmm. also. Because especially if you have a fairly common name, in, you know, if, if, you're, if you're Joe Smith, um, you are absolutely screwed. <laughs> so you, you need to give people a way to say, oh, it's Joe Smith in Milwaukee that runs the training firm. Oh, okay. So, you know, that's a, a really good basic thing. The other thing that I would say, which is more advanced, not at all technologically, but in terms of your time commitment, is blogging. Mm-hmm. Um, there actually are, um, there's, you know, there's a fairly recent study that came out that showed the teenagers who, for a long time, were in the vanguard of blogging, which you might expect because, you know, they're early adopters of new technology and things like that, they actually are abandoning blogging now, um, and fewer and fewer of them are doing it. And, you know, does this mean that they're not interested in communicating online? No. What it means is they're lazy because instead <laughs> they're turning to Twitter because right. it's shorter and it requires less work. And so what that means to me is that if you want to establish yourself as a thought leader, if you want to be out there in, you know, blue ocean space Mm -hmm. where there are fewer voices, that means that you should be blogging because it does require a higher threshold of commitment, of um, dedication, of smarts, frankly, because you have to put your spelling out there for the world to see. (laughs) uh, but, But it means that commensurately there are greater rewards. So I would suggest that for people. I would I would strongly agree with that one. I know that, that that's made all the difference in uh in in my own work in my own company and uh you know it, you got to commit to to do the work but it it pays off. Uh, so I think blogging is a fantastic strategy. Well, Dory, thanks so much for for taking the, the the time to talk. I know you're you're busy 
writing away on on your book. So I, you know, I'm uh, very uh, uh, grateful to have you contributing your your thoughts to uh, my thinking about my book. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. That's it for my interview with Dory Clark. Be sure to visit Dory on the web at doryclark.com where you can find out more about her and also about her book from Harvard Business Review Press, Reinventing You, Define Your Brand, Imagine Your Future. I also encourage you to visit learningrevolution.net slash episode 5 to get show notes from this episode, including links to Dory's site and to other great content. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, I'd be truly grateful if you would tell others about it. And also if you would go to learningrevolution.net slash iTunes and give a brief review of the podcast for others to read. This is Jeff Cobb, your host, signing off from The Learning Revolution. Mm -hmm.